is the first parsha where we really start getting the uh, instructions for life uh, which which the um, which the Torah is it's supposed to be a you know the first one and a half books of the Torah are um, are really stories which are supposed to learn from the lessons but as far as the actual marching order is day to day, um, uh, this is really where we get into the meat and potatoes. Last week's portion, we have the ten, the ten commandments, um, but this is really where we start. And there's actually fifty-three commandments in this week's parsha. So, just one second, we have a. Thank you. Okay. 
Um, okay, so let's start. Says the very beginning of the parsha, ve'ela hamishpatim. These are the part scroll translate. These are the ordinances. Asher tasim lifnehem that you should place before them. So Rashi here is a couple of famous Rashi's here. That we'll do the first one. It says just like the Ten Commandments. And last week's Torah portion, everyone knows, and most people believe they came straight from God. So these that follow it, all these different uh, mitzvos, which mainly deal with how to deal with other people, uh, also were told at Mount Sinai directly from God. And it's interesting that the first section at the Torah that God decided to share with us in detail is about how to deal with other people. And that says a lot. You know, we say when a person leaves this world, they go to the uh, the world to come, and they one of the first things they ask a person is masa umatan bamuna, have you done, you dealt in your business matters in a faithful, trustworthy way, and um, Judaism certainly does not say that you can be a uh, schizophrenic uh, Jew, meaning uh, you can say business is business, and ritual is ritual, home is home. Uh, your person's always uh, oh, everything is a uh, a chance for for uh, for growth. Second Rashi, equally as important. So it says we're placing these laws before them. It's an interesting introduction to say here's the laws that God told Moses to tell the Jews. So what does it mean to place before them? So I'll just translate Rashi loosely. God said to Moses, do not think that I will tell the Jews once or two or three times the laws. Rather, and I won't trouble myself that they'll really understand it. Therefore, he says you have to make it like the famous words, Kishulchan Ha'aruch. God was telling Moses, when you teach the Jewish people the law, it has to be like a set table. What's a set table, says Rashi? It is prepared for the people to eat. You show up to a restaurant, you show up to a wedding. They're not setting the wedding the table when you get there. It's ready. And when that's the way that Torah is supposed to be, if you're in the teaching position, whether teaching to yourself, teaching, certainly teaching to other people, it's got to be clear. And my experience, I just was talking this over with a student of mine this morning, that my experience is that a lot of the misconceptions or lack of positive um, connection with many parts of Judaism is really what, because this Rashi is lacking. Because there's a lack of kishulchan ha'aruch, like a table set um, in front of people to eat. You know, if it's not appealing, if it's not clear, if it's confusing, it doesn't feel relevant. And that's, that's really what, certainly what a lot of what I try to do is, uh, is about trying to, best that I can, to fulfill uh, this Rashi. This was one of the first messages, but before any Torah was taught. This was the first time, really, when Torah is really formally taught. We're giving the rules, the marching orders, how Torah is, is to be taught. Okay, so as I said, there's 50, 53 mitzvahs. Uh, so we're certainly not going to get to all those. I'm going to focus on, on a few. 
in chapter 22, verse 24, famous verse. A lot of these are quoted uh, in government, halls of government all over the world. It says the famous verse, an eye for an eye, eye in tachad eye, an eye for an eye. Shane Tagashane, a tooth for a tooth, Yad Tagazad, Yad Relatagaz, hand for a hand, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, leg for a leg. It goes on all these things, uh, saying all these things are you know, so simply part you read the verse. It sounds like if someone would blind someone, then you blind them. But comes along the famous Rashi. Rashi is quoting the Talmud. It says, No. If you blind your friend, you pay. And it says, and for all these things, it doesn't mean it mamash. It doesn't doesn't mean you you do what it says. Rather, as the uh, Talmud uh, expounds, that it's money. And this is really one of the very common uh, verses that is when people discuss the um, importance and the imperative for an oral, that, that there is an oral law, that the Torah, that there's the written, and there was an oral tradition equally as important given hand in hand. And this is one of those verses which we point to that we really would have not only no idea, but a very false um, primitive, look at, at primitive societies uh, even today, and certainly back in the uh, dark ages and previous to that, where they actually would do that. Someone did something to someone, and, and that's not what the Torah says. Because when you do these things, you're basically, you're, uh, it's not, the purpose of punishment in Judaism is never about, I'm getting you back. Judaism's idea of a punishment is always future-oriented. It's, a, it's how, can we, how can we grow from this experience? How can we mitigate the damage that happens so we can catapult forward. And we know this is a lesson for life also. We're dealing with certainly dealing with children and dealing with ourselves, how we how we react to things that we've done, the whole concept of tshuva, person can move on and, and that's part of the human condition. It's kind of like, you know, I think the concept of bankruptcy was was gotten from from the Torah. The concept that, you know, we need to leave room for people to make mistakes because uh, people aren't able to make mistakes then um, they won't uh, try anything ambitious. And obviously a person needs to be careful, but we don't want, because something happened, that a person then, well, you know, just tip for tat. That, that, that's, not, that's not the uh, intended uh, way the world's supposed to run. Um, okay. I think I did that order. Okay. For now, now chapter 22 Verse 24 says, famous, not famous, but not, I don't think all the details are so famous. When you lend money to my people, I'm Kesef Talva Esami. Interesting verse. It says, doesn't say if, it says when, which means there's an obligation, a Torah mitzvah to loan money. Which means, unless you can't, you need to. Unless you have a serious concern or a reasonable concern that you won't get the money back and you're able to loan, you are not this, wow, you loan me the money. In fact, it's, 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 it's indicated 
in the fact if I lend you money, you actually are not allowed to be overly appreciative towards me because it will be interest. And you can ask another idea, not, not allowed to charge interest. And the reason why you're not allowed to charge interest, one of the reasons is because you wouldn't charge interest to your child or to your parent or your sibling. It's family. What are you doing? You know, you, you don't do that. And the way we're supposed to look at everybody as, as in, in, in that way. Um, and therefore it says when you will lend because of, unless if any, we have this in one of the things that we train kids, obviously kids, uh, you, all human beings are trained, are coming to this world with the automatic survival instinct. And one of the things that we have to train ourselves and we have to train someone else, but hopefully if, uh, we're training ourselves as well, that, uh, if you can, then you do. And this is a beautiful thing. I would tell you that I, I, I from one of from my experiences in, in all the fundraising that I do, it's a beautiful thing. I go to so many people and it's, it's incredible how, if you know, not, people can't always do as much at anything or as much as they would like, but if they can, they do. And it's a beautiful thing to see. That's something uh, that's, that's the Torah's message. You're not an incredible. Yes. You're incredible for being a person because human beings are by definition incredible, but that's not like beyond. That's what's ex- really what, what what's expected to be. Uh, if you can do something, then you do it. So it continues and gives us some of the details about what it means when you're lending money. It says the per the poor person who is with you, do not act towards them as a creditor. So Rashi here says. Um, where did it go? Oh, have a Look at yourself, When it says the poor person with you, the Torah. Why did it add the word with you? Right. It's always every word in the Torah, every tense in the Torah, every prefix and suffix is all there for a reason. So, and that, and every time Rashi says something, like we said, Rashi is coming to explain something. So Rashi is coming. He's going to explain why is the word say with you. So he says, when you're doing your charitable acts, when you're doing your kindness, you're loaning money or anything of, of, of that type, look at your stuff. Mistakel is not, is not just a glance. Mistakel is a stare. It's a looking, prying, really looking at something. As if you were a poor person. When... Think about if you are ever on the receiving end of something, you want to maintain your dignity, you want to maintain your respect. There's, there's things that you would want. And when you're doing that to other people, uh, you, where the Torah is telling us to think about that. We could have a tendency to maybe give ourselves, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a favor. Well, we say no. When you do it, you got to do it all the way. It's the same exact way that um, you would want to be treated. And, and I, I can tell you, again, I, I truly, really try. I really mean this. I really try not to judge anybody. And But being in the experience, again, I just, I just uh, you know, I, something I experience often I, in fundraising, you get to see the way different people deal with the same situation. And yes, different personality, different situations. But you do see and you know what feels good and you know what doesn't feel good. And... 
I always try to learn from it to say, you know what, I don't know why that happened, but I'll try to remember if I'm ever on the giving end in such a situation that I remember I didn't like when that happened. Um, you know, giving now again, you know, every, everything you know, you you never know why, so you can't understand why. But you know, sometimes in the summer when it's boiling hot, or when it's freezing in the winter, or it's raining, and you know, and especially you know, depending. And someone doesn't, you know, invite you in. So sometimes a person can't invite you in for whatever reason it might be. But sometimes even just into the foyer, uh, it's so appreciated. I know what it's like when you're smoiling hot and you come in. Ah. And um, or sometimes someone's not available and they'll, and they'll say, you know, I'll be available in five minutes. So sometimes a person will say, come in the house, have a seat. Or the, sometimes a person will say, wait outside. Now, again, I don't know what's going on in their house. I just know when it, how it feels when you're able to do it. So I think about it because uh, I have that experience. And uh, that's actually one of a lot of reasons why Hashem gives us all types of experiences so we can learn from them. And, uh, and Rashi is saying that. Think about as if you were that person, um, what would you want? Okay. So many famous laws. It's not. It's not even like so much like a novel idea. It's just it's novel because it's it's actually these are mitzvos, just like kosher and Shabbos. So in chapter twenty three, um, verse one says, "Lo sisa shema shav." Do not accept a false report. Rashi says, quotes the, uh, the, the Talmud, Azhara le Makabel Lashon Hara. This is a warning against accepting evil talk. So we all know we're familiar with the idea of not gossiping. But I think what may be unique, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a specialist in all ideas in the world. But it's a very, uh, it's a very demanding idea that not only can I not talk about other people inappropriately, I'm not allowed to listen. In fact, the listener, we're saying in certain ways, could be held even more accountable because most people, although today I think with social media it may not be true, is that most people will stop talking if they're not talking to the wall. By your listening, you're listening and you're enabling the other person to keep talking. So that is just, it's just a sensitivity of what we're, what a human being is capable of. And you, once in a while, you come into contact with someone who's careful with these things. And it's just, a, it's almost like a different creature. It's like such a refined, pleasant existence when you meet someone like that, or when you have the strength to do it yourself. Well, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to not listen uh, to Lashon Hara. Very, 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 very difficult thing. Uh, even a person isn't perfect with it, but a person, but a person, even if you try, sometimes you'll hear something and say, you know what, I'm trying, I'm trying not to believe it. I'm trying not to believe it. Obviously, when something can damage you, we're not supposed to take this to an extreme of believe, of, of, of ignoring. There's a concept in, in the Jewish law of, of, um, of being choshesh, of not believing, but taking it into account. If someone tells you that person's a thief, 
So then you uh, you kind of uh, you know you 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 you're you're careful around that person, but it doesn't mean you have to go bad mouth and like today you know if someone has the slightest hint of something, then uh, you 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 spread it around. Uh, this happened to experience that today, you know someone has someone's uh, you know trying to be you know protect other people, and you just say things and there's there's laws like everything else the same way that your average person. Uh, let's say doesn't know the ins and outs of the laws of Shabbat or kosher or other things. There's laws for these things too. Obviously, there's a little bit of intuition, but uh, there are a lot of laws which uh, are are in order to check out. Another famous, famous one. This is a famous kid song, but again, these are these are universal ethics that everyone borrows from, and usually the the, the degree of their loan. <laughs> People borrow them. It's just the one line. There's not all the details of the oral law that are borrowed, but at least the concept are, are, are good concepts that people at least take them. So chapter 23, verse 7, says the famous words, Midvar Sheker Tir Chok. Do, um, distance yourself from a false word. It's an interesting thing. It doesn't say don't lie. It says distance yourself from, from, from the false word, meaning, of course, you're not going to do the false word. But it says stay far away, which means even something that's close to it. We, we don't want to do things that even smell of, um, of something that's, that's false. And there's countless stories of great people who just will go bend over backwards. I certainly had the privilege of working uh, for my teacher, Abba Gibber, for a long time, and and he was, it really taught me how a person can, can be honest and how a person can be honest. Uh, I remember one time we had a question and I taught for a, a, a post high school yeshiva, traditional yeshiva. And there was a whole, uh, for certain foundations, you have to fill out, um, you know, non-discriminatory uh, things and check off a bunch of things. And Rabbi Gibber said, we can't sign this. He's like, we don't discriminate. Uh, we accept everybody, we're nice to everybody, but we can't say that we do everything on this piece of paper. I said, every yeshiva in the world signs this paper. Look at that, you go in any Jewish community, you'll see an ad, so and such organization doesn't discriminate. And McGibber said, look, I, I, I see, but I don't get it. So there's a true story. I, you know, God will have a lived 120, but you know, you know, uh, this is going to be one of those stories that I, I they're going to put in the books. You heard it here. I remember I was sitting in the, the old office. doesn't exist anymore. I was sitting there with Rabbi Gibber, and it was a lot of money, and he didn't want to sign the paper. And he told me I couldn't sign the paper. So I was like, Rabbi, it's a lot of money. So he says, you know what? We're going to call around to see what some other schools do. So he calls up one particularly respected institution, and Rabbi Gibber spoke to the head of the institution. They said, you know what, Rabbi Gibber? I've never thought of this question before. And he called, and finally, Rabbi Gibber said, you know, we're going to have to call the Navaminska Rebbe. A blessed number. He was, he's the head of, the head of the Aguda. And we called the Aguda's office. We called um, uh, Rabbi Zwiebel, a famous, uh, very, uh, he's a rabbi, he's a lawyer. And he, Rabbi Zwiebel said, now they've dealt with all kinds of laws and everything. He said, no one in his recollection, this question has never been asked. 
And he, he said, I'm going to have to discuss it with the Novominsk Rebbe and Dr. Zwiebel. And they gave us, and they said that there is a law, there's an actual law that says that religious institutions within certain um, uh, constraints can discriminate legally. And there was a n- name for the, a number of the law. And Dr. Rabbi Zwiebel said, but you need to check if Rhode Island adopted the law, because not every state adopted the law. So then we called Mr. David Yavner, and we knew we had the law. We asked Mr. Yavner, can you look up if Rhode Island has this law? And Mr. Yavner said that, in fact, Rhode Island has that law. So then Rabbi Gibber says to, to, to the Novominsk Rebbe, I forget who it was at that point, the Rabbi Zubel or the Rebbe, and he says, well, what are we supposed to do? We still can't sign that we don't discriminate. Because we're still discriminating, we're just discriminating legally. So the, I think I was Rabbi Gibber's idea. The idea is that we we sign it, we write an asterisk, and we write on the bottom of the paper we discriminate legally, and then we 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 reference the law. And I think, and at that point, my secretary, we had a a, a thing that every time we signed the paper, we had to write on the bottom we discriminate legally based on this law. So I think that is firsthand this idea of distance yourself from from a false word, and I could I have many stories with that. Um, really, uh, really a very high bar that was set. I don't think I I'm quite as 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 elevated as he is in that department, but it certainly was very uh, a very um, good experience um, having that. So what does the verse continue? It says, um, okay, we'll move on from there. Then it says, fa- another famous idea. Verse 8, next, that next verse. Lo sikach, v'shochan lo sikach, do not accept a bribe. Why? Because bribes will blind those who see and corrupt that which is just. And this is a very, very far-reaching concept. The simple idea is, if I'm a judge, I can't take any favors from you. And I believe there's 20 pages from the United States government of things that a federal employee is not allowed to accept from a constituent. It says gifts and coffees and even if someone wants to buy you a box of donuts. It's, 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 you, can, you can Google it. It's, it's really fascinating um, that what, how much of basic um, decency is learned from this week's Parsha. Rabbi Chana Wasserman, a blessed memory, he passed away in the, in, the, in the Holocaust. He took this idea to another level. And he said, there's also bribery of ourselves, that a person is their own judge. Because we all, as much as everyone likes to say that, you know, I don't judge anybody, not judgmental, the reality is we all judge. In fact, the Torah says, when you judge, judge favorably. The Torah doesn't say we don't judge because we're always making decisions. That's just, that's just reality. It's just when we look at people, we should we should make favorable decisions. So when we're making our decisions about ourselves and other people, 
the Torah says, or Wasserman says, don't take bribes, which means, let's say I want to be rich, and I'm dealing with money. I have to realize that I'm not going to be able to look at that moral dilemma um, with a clean slate. If something affects me, it affects my ego, it affects my well-being, affects my health, affects my family, affects my pride. So I have to realize that that I am I am I have bribe. I have a bribe, and the way to deal with a bribe is you go to someone else. You go to someone and say, "Look, you know," I'm, but they say it's a nice term they say in the yeshiva world. I don't haven't heard another term. I'm sure there is one. You say is "I'm the which means the thing is touching me, right? So sometimes what I do, I'll call up uh, my friend. It doesn't even have to be someone who knows more than you. It just has to be someone else, anybody else. Even if the person may be on a much lower or nowhere near as wise, you say, you know, I'm going to give a dover. This is what's going on. Uh, what do you think? Right? And I can tell you nine out of ten times, they, they, they pointed something out that I missed. And I'm so lucky. Everyone has to have people in their lives, family, friends, and people who really will tell you something if, um, if you're missing something. Uh, and I'm very privileged to have many people in my life uh, who, um, who are happy to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, chapter 23, verse 5. So many things in this Parsha. It's like, uh, it's incredible. Chapter 23, verse 5 says, famous idea. They're all famous. Says, if you encounter an ox of your enemy, today that would be, you see your, your friend's car is broken down on the side of the highway, right? If you encounter an ox of your enemy or his donkey wandering, you shall return it to him repeatedly. Do it repeatedly. Then where does it say? It says, if you see the donkey of someone you hate crouching under its burden, would you refrain from helping him? You shall help him repeatedly. The Torah tells us, first of all, you got to help people. Help people load, help people unload. But the Torah makes it a point to help people who you hate. I have a book on my shelf over there. It's called Hug Your Haters. And the Torah is telling us, yes, you may think, and this is a concept actually we're going to have soon with Purim, two weeks from tonight, two weeks from tonight, can't believe it, two weeks from tonight is Purim, doesn't feel like it, but we got we to gotta get in the Purim booth, right? Um, so we know there's a mitzvah to give out gifts on, on, on Purim, you give out some food to somebody, and if you have to pick, most of us, you know, obviously certain social things you want to give to your friends, but if you're going to prioritize, the priority really is to give to someone who's not your friend. And I try every year to give to someone. I, I, I like to think I, I don't have too many non-friends, but there's people, you know, you get a little stressful with, and I try to make sure to remember every year to give to those people so they appreciate it. I don't know, but I didn't mind. So you see the Torah gives two mitzvos that it tells us specifically with someone that you hate and keep doing it. So where did I see it? I thought, oh, Rav Pam. So Rav Pam, Raman Pam, was known as the Chabad Chaim of the past generation. Very, very kind, gentle man from Brooklyn, New York. 
he said that the Torah makes it a point both times to say to keep doing it. it says, your friend keeps losing his ox or donkey, return it to him repeatedly. Then it says, your friend is donkey is, is being weighed down under its load. It says, you should help him again and again. What's the Torah telling us? Just tell us, have to help him. Torah says that you have to keep Shabbos. Does this ever say you have to keep Shabbos every week? Of course you have to keep Shabbos. Are you going to keep kosher on Tuesdays? Why does it have to say repeatedly do it? So Rapam says an amazing idea. He says the Torah is teaching you the way to stop hating people is to keep helping them. You want, you have someone you find annoying, you have someone who, who, who they, maybe even for a good reason, maybe. They, they, you, you don't like them. Torah says strong words. You hate them. Is the way to get rid of that is to keep doing it. And we have a tendency, you know, to kind of stick to the people that we get along with, the people that we agree with. Live and let live, though. Well, I'm not saying there aren't situations that are untenable and not healthy. Of course, those are there. But but for your average situation, the Torah is saying, no, you can't just say, nah, we don't, we don't mix. No, you, you keep doing it, and then with time, you won't be a hater anymore. Okay. Moving along. Chapter 22. Keep flipping around here. 22 verses 21 and 22. Says, famous idea, you should not cause pain to any widow or orphan. Here you see the Torah sensitivity to the those most vulnerable. And everyone thinks that's a new idea, right? We've been, we've been sensitive to the vulnerable since the beginning of time. Now, says the Torah, very strong, and I don't know, I'm not a Bible expert, if it says this anywhere else. It says, if you dare, that's strong, if you dare to cause him pain, meaning the widow or the orphan, for if he shall cry out to me, meaning the widow or the orphan, is crying out, I will surely listen to their cry. So I saw that. I, what does that mean? Torah says, don't do it. The answer says, well, if you do do it, I'm going to listen. Because the Torah is telling us two things. One is, if someone breaks down and starts crying to you, 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 can't, you can't ignore cries. We say, Shari Dumo, Sloan and Alo. Hashem never ignores crying. Someone's crying. Someone has a pain. Whatever it might be, you can't. You can't say I'm busy. I have this. I have my own life. If someone gets to the point where they're crying to you, that's the first thing. You can't ignore crying. And says Hashem. And what do I do when someone cries? Because what do you do? I think. I think most all people. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of us are very good. We want to do the right thing. We want to help. But often we don't know what to do, so we just run away. I know. You go to a shiva house, you feel uncomfortable, someone's sick. What are you going to do anyway? You can't help it. Says Hashem. Hashem tells us what to do. Hashem, you know what happens when they cry to me? What is Hashem? You know what I do, says Hashem? I, 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 I listen. That's all I do. Hashem says, look, I already decided this person should be a widow. I decided this person's an orphan. It happened already. In my infinite wisdom, that's what needed to happen. I can't change that right now. 
but I can listen. And that we always can do. I just had this experience. I was, um, I was in touch with a, uh, someone, a couple that was on a birthright trip with me um, a year and a half ago. And they've been married for a while. And um, I uh, was in touch with them. And they said, you know, we're, we're doing some small talking. And they said, you know, Rabbi, like kind of on Facebook, asking for a friend. Uh, they said, what does someone do if they're having a really hard time and it seems like God is ignoring them? So I said, just, just to keep it, you know, comfortable. I said, are you asking for a friend? Uh, and I knew they had been trying to have children for a while. And, and that basically was very hard for particularly the wife, as, as it is. And um, basically, the, the young lady says to me, she's like, you know, I'm having a hard time believing in God right now. You know, what did I ever do? I'm a good person, you know, and and and, and uh, I'm trying to have children. And, and, and I, I, if God was there, wouldn't God let me have a kid? And 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 then they said, you know, well, what am I supposed to do? So I'm thinking, what do I say? And I realized there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. Yes, I want to make sure they're doing any any due diligence, you know. But really, there's really nothing to say. And we learn from the Torah, from Hashem, that that's okay. That's okay. And, uh, you know, sometimes saying something, saying something is not good. Now, I think they did want me to say something. So I did uh, eventually say something. But my message, I tried. I tried really just to, to make sure that they heard that I um, heard what they had to say. Okay, we're going to fast forward really to after all these laws are already uh, tons and tons of interesting ideas, damages, and torts, and responsibilities, and really everything under the sun. But the end of the Torah, the end of the Parsha, we get back to some, according to Nachmanides, the Torah is not really an order. It, it's, a, it's a structured order. Sometimes you have that in a movie. You know, the more we flit back in scenes between different scenes, and they're not necessarily in order. There's like different narratives going on at once. So you have that in the Torah too, and it's certainly I mean, it's not 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 random in the slightest. So in chapter 23, verse 12, it says, famous words, say it every Shabbos. Sheshes Yomim We don't quite say these words actually. But the yeah, six days shall you accomplish your activities. And on the seventh day, you shall stop. So this is telling about what Shabbos is. Shabbos is not about the, the, the don'ts. It's you have things that you're doing during the week. And whatever you have done during the week, it's done. It's not like you're not doing it on Shabbos. It's it's done, right? And what happens on Shabbos? There's an active thing. There's an active thing called being tishbos. So if, what I actually say, if someone's trying on Shabbos for size... I actually try to say that, you know, you can't really expect to appreciate Shabbos if you're completely focused on the don'ts. The don'ts are what create, it's like in basketball. I always go back to basketball, right? 
Basketball is you have rules. You can't step out of bounds. You can't double dribble. You have the three-second rule, the 10-second rule, 24-second violation. But imagine if someone tells you, I know all the rules cold, but they don't know how to dribble. They don't know how to shoot. They don't know how to play defense. They don't know how to set a pick. They don't know how to pass. So you, you, you miss the whole game. Imagine so they know all the rules. You guys, think about it. You know what it's like? It's the referees. The referees can't shoot. They can't pass. They have no idea. They probably, maybe they never played a game in their life. That's probably why they became a ref, right? But, 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 um, but, uh, but, but you got to be able to play the game, right? So Shabbos, if all you know how to do is the don'ts, or all you think about, you don't know how to have a nice Shabbos meal. You don't know how to have a good Shabbos afternoon, how to have an enjoyable uh, davening, how to have a good, whatever you're going to do. Everyone has the things that they enjoy about Shabbos. But there's actually many, 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 many uh, directions about how to keep Shabbos that are what you're actually supposed to be doing. Because what happens is if you just do the don'ts, then you're just bored. Then you're just bored. So um, I can tell you, whenever I've been involved in a, in like a full-fledged Shabbaton, the goal of the Shabbaton is to keep things really busy. Because um, if you don't keep them busy, then, you know, you run to the phones. Okay, so that's about Shabbos. Uh, personally, for me, I love studying Torah on Shabbos. It's a certain uh, enjoyment of one of my teachers, Rabbi Lipson, told me that, you know, most people who study Torah on a regular daily basis, you have your goals, the things, your ambitions, but you also have things that they're not really part of your goals, but you just love to do it. You love to learn them. It's just something, you know, you like looking in that safer. It's interesting. It gets you excited. And, and so for, so he said that's something which, you know, that a person could, quote, unquote, indulge in on Shabbos. I know myself, there's certain things during the week, you know, I have my Talmud goals, my law goals, my this goals. I don't have the luxury of, you know, just opening up an interesting uh, philosophical book. And I'll do that on Shabbos sometime. That's for me. Everyone has some people like Rami Cub. My grandmother would spend Rami Cub. That was her Shabbos afternoon. You know, everyone's got their things they do on Shabbos. And uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know th 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 that's certainly something which I don't think we all realize. And we can dismiss Shabbos thinking it's just a bunch of, bunch of roles without knowing how to play the game. Lastly, before I do a review, one of the most famous lines as a people that we said is in this week's Parsha, chapter 24, verse 3. It says, now again, I said it's out of order. So we're talking here about the time that was the Jews were getting ready to get the Torah. Now, what does it say? Okay, Moshe went from God, told, told, um, he, he told the Jewish people what that God basically wants to have a meeting. And the entire people responded with one voice. Um, Everything that Hashem says, we will do. Famous words. This is the Nasa, Nasa Benishma. The Jewish people didn't say, you know, tell me all the details, and then I will decide. They decided, and they took it. And that is really the only way that a person could really, uh, I think, really achieve happiness.
in life. You know, if a person always has to have every single thing figured out, then uh, you won't be able to do anything. And you won't be able to be serene with things. And it's always saying that a certain amount, we have to say, look, this is the way Hashem wants us to do. That's what we're going to do. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Can we learn about it? Judaism says to ask questions, explore, and all that stuff. But the Misa, practically speaking, you got to just be doers. You got to be doers. And, you know, and it's okay to do something. Judaism says, Hashem says, you know, don't worry about me. Just study my Torah. That's one of the things that Hashem told the prophets to, to, uh, to tell us. We, it's not black and white. It's, Rabbi Miller, Victor Miller used to, say, used to call it the artificial man. And he would say, Judaism is always about being a faker. What does that mean? We're always trying to act a little more than we are. But not because we're being disingenuous. It's because we're being ambitious. I don't know about you. If I always acted the way I felt, it would be a pretty mean guy, right? Every every time you needed to help a family member or a friend, you only, you showed exactly how you felt. No, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta sometimes act the part. And, uh, and, and the Jewish people did that. You think they weren't a little bit nervous? They, 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 they knew, but they said, you know, we're going to do it. So quick review over here. So many ideas. 53 mitzvahs in the parsha. The first, it's, I think it's telling the first area of Torah that Hashem decides to spend time on is how we treat other people. That's, that, is a, that is just, a, you know, someone says, how can religious Jews act like that? We'll say, look, that, that maybe they're not so religious, right? And that, that's part of being a, uh, an observant person. Also, we said that uh, what's a, re- a requirement in teaching ourselves and others is having clarity. Torah is supposed to be kishokhan aruch. It's ready to eat. It's presentable. It's clear. We said about when you do kindness to other people to picture what you would want, how you would want to be treated if you were on the receiving end. Talked about the concept of not even accepting when someone says gossip. We talked about lying, staying very far away from lying. We talked about that that the way to stop hating someone is to is to give to them and do it again and again. And we got to do that. It's not just you know, hey, you know, if I want to stop hating that guy, I'll do this. No, it's a proactive thing. We're supposed to try to do it. We said that when someone's in pain. Can't not ignoring tears, and certainly what we can do is often nothing to do, but we can listen the same way God says that He listens. We talked about how there must be an oral law because things would be pretty bad eye for an eye, leg for a leg. It's money, and that you wouldn't know that. If, and unfortunately, many societies have kept it to the T because they don't accept the oral, oral law. Talk about the kinds of a bribery. Certainly for judges not to be bribed, but we all have bribes. It means we're all, when we're involved in something, we have something that we have a bias. And that's something to be aware of. Talked about the beauty of Shabbos, not just the don'ts. The don'ts create an arena, but the don'ts, uh, but there, there's, there's, a, there's what to do on Shabbos. And the more person can figure out what to do on Shabbos, it's not an easy thing. I'm not saying anything I'm saying. I'm not saying it's like, you know, Simple. It's, it's work. It's work and creativity, and a person sometimes has to reinvent it, you know, uh, different points in life. Um, but there is what to do. Um, and lastly, we said the idea the Jewish people said, Nasev and Nishma, we will 
we will we will do whatever you want. We're going to accept the situation and we'll try to understand things later. Take a look at the parsha. So many famous ideas, a lot of misunderstood ideas, but uh, there's the oral law there. But you get the written law, the oral law, and you'll have a plenty to do this Shabbos afternoon. Um, and uh, have a we're starting the month of Adar, the happiest month of the year, which means starting tomorrow night, you've got to be happy. And then the next night, you have to be happier. And every day, you have to get happier until you get to Purim. It says every day, you got to be happier than the day before. But that's, that's one of the hardest mitzvahs in the whole Torah. Be happy for 14 days and happier every day. So happy days are coming. Have a good Shabbos. Thanks for coming on.